The Dallas Stars lost in overtime to the Buffalo Sabres by a score of 3-2. On today's episode, we'll talk about the overtime issues with the Stars. And the lack of penalty draws leading to power plays for Dallas. This and more coming up on today's episode of the Frozen Biscuit Show. Your weekly podcast on the Dallas Stars. Your team every Friday. Greetings, Stars fans. Welcome back to the Frozen Biscuit Show. Your weekly podcast covering the Dallas Stars. I'm your host, Larry Lease, your local expert on all things Dallas Stars hockey. Coming to you on this Friday, January 27th. And today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. The efficient ticket seller of the Frozen Biscuit Show. For tickets to your next sporting event, use the link in the description. Whether this is your first time here or a recurring listener, thank you for stopping by and listening. Be sure to hit that subscribe button if you're watching on YouTube. And hit that subscribe button if you're um, f- or follow button, I should say, on your favorite podcast platform. Let's jump into today's episode covering an overtime loss, a game that got away from the Stars after a very solid start for the team. Overall, it's disappointing to see them lose, but they also do get a point out of it. But it's been kind of a reoccurring thing this season, and that's the Stars are struggling past 60 minutes if games require overtime or if they require a shootout. It really also just feels like this didn't necessarily need overtime or a shootout. I'm sure at this point now the Stars are glad that it did go there and they got something out of this game. But during the first three periods, and especially the first and third, it really felt like the Stars could have left the American Airlines Center on Monday with two points and likely given the Buffalo Sabres nothing out of that game. Really in that first period, the Stars could have found themselves up by maybe three or even five goals. They generated a ton of chances the first period while minimizing the amount of opportunities for the Sabres through the first 10 minutes. You gotta give credit to Craig Anderson who is getting his 700th career NHL game played. He kept the Sabres in it. Early on, the Stars generated 20 high danger chances for at all aspects of the game. They also had a few shorthanded goal opportunities throughout the first period. Buffalo's power play was certainly not at its best, despite being a top three unit in the NHL. I give the goalie credit for the first 10 minutes. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think we had a poor start in overtime. I think we've been better lately. You know, again, I'm not, you guys can dwell on the negative stuff. I'm gonna go glass half full. We've been playing a lot of good hockey and found a way to get an important, important win. I really liked uh, Peter DeBoer's outlook on it, on this loss, and I think his perspective on that is a huge reason why this team never really strings together many losses, and why they don't usually lose more than two games in a row. It's that you take what you can get, you pull the positives, and in this case, even though there is a loss on the record, there's something positive from this one point. All these points add up, and you try not to think about the fact that you left 16 out there on the board. Rather, you live with the ones that you can get, and you live with the good that you did see in this game. And I mean, that's really all you can say to yourself. They got a point against a very hungry and scrappy Buffalo team that's so close to finding themselves in the playoffs this season. I think they could maybe even make some moves at the deadline to improve. And if they get get gold, good goaltending, excuse me, like they did on Monday, they can be a very dangerous team. And of course, credit to Tage Thompson with a very slick pass on that overtime game winning goal from Owen Power. The Stars didn't really get their chances and it's frustrating. It's just not been the Stars' strength this season, winning in overtime, although it was one of the things that they did best last season. And I guess it's just a give and take, and ultimately, I mean, the Stars hadn't gotten overtime in quite a while. 
I feel like maybe the game in New York against the Rangers could be remembering that incorrectly. Lately, the Stars have been taking care of business for the most part in regulation, and I think there is a silver lining on this team when they make it to the postseason. If they find themselves in some overtime scenarios, I think the 5-on-5 format there is much better suited for the Dallas Stars. I think that they'll be able to perform better in those situations as opposed to the 3-on-3 that we see in the regular season. I don't think it's good as the Stars team is. I don't think 3-on-3 is their specialty. Even with some great, speedy, and you know, aggressive players with open ice like Miro Haskin and Roe Hintz and Jason Robertson, those are the three guys that started out on the ice for the Stars in overtime. Didn't really get many opportunities, maybe one chance with the puck, couldn't capitalize, and then of course Tage Thompson does what Tage Thompson does. So I don't think it's something to be overly concerned about because again, the Stars are still doing fine as a whole this season. Could they be doing better if they won some more games in overtime or in the shootout? Yes, of course. But at the end of the day, they're still at the top of their division. They're still at the top of the Western Conference, and you got to take what you can get. Not every team is going to be perfect in every aspect of the game. The Stars do a great job at 5-on-5, five five, and they usually do a pretty good job at avoiding overtime. But sometimes they're just not able to do so. And you got to take it. You can get a point and be thankful for what you get. And know that there's still plenty of home games upcoming and some more opportunities to distance yourself from the rest of the pack in the Central Division and the Western Conference. So before we move on, give us a like, if you, uh, thumbs up if you like our video, subscribe to the channel, hit that bell notification button to be notified of future videos. Ripper made his return to the lineup on Monday after seven games out with an upper body injury. It didn't take very long for him to get reacquainted with the team and with the Stars faithful at the American Airlines Center. He skated for 14 minutes and 38 seconds. And coach did say after the game that while he did look good and he's glad to have him back, he did notice a little bit of fatigue and him wearing down a little bit as the game went on. As to what you would expect with a player who's been out for, you know, over two weeks at this point. He's got to get reacclimated to game speed. You can practice and do morning skates and warm-ups all you want. It's not quite the same as playing full speed in an actual NHL game. But still, when Rupert was on the ice, he was making a difference. He got an assist on the Stars' first goal of the game on the power play that Stars' top power play unit. And it's back seemingly at its full strength. And it's a shame we didn't get to see more of them. But we'll talk about that a little bit later on in this episode. Rupert Hintz was making an impact on the ice, on the power play, and on the 5-on-5. Five five. I think he looked really solid against Mason Marchman and Denis Kirinov. They eventually did break that lineup and put Rupert Hintz back with Jason Robertson and Joe Pavelski. And of course, when they did, the Stars scored a goal. And so it's hard to argue with breaking up that top line. Apologies for butchering his name wrong. I just realized I had been saying Rupert instead of Roop. It seems like that we can be getting back to that being a consistent thing this season. That line of Robertson, Pavetsky, Roop. It's probably good for the Stars long term, but I can understand from the team and coaching staff perspective that you want to keep, you know, the pieces together that were working in his absence. Tyler Sagan had been playing very well alongside Robo and Pitletsky, and I can understand you want to keep him playing at a high level. You don't want to break up that chemistry too much, but you also do need to find the adequate placement for a Roop because he's also playing such a pivotal role in your team's offense. 
I think it's very possible that we could see Roop fully be reinstated on that top line with Robertson and Pavelski, which is probably a good thing. If they get a full game together, who knows what they can accomplish. This is a different team when he's out there on the ice. He seems to be in good spirits and it's great to have him back and seemingly as healthy as he can be. And he's only, I think, going to get stronger and play more minutes as time goes on as he fully gets reacclimated to playing at a full NHL game speed. And now, we'd like to thank our other sponsor, Poddex, for sponsoring this episode. If you're a podcaster looking to grow your audience and get more engagement, come check out Poddex today at poddex.com. Use promo code Larry21 to save 10% off your order. The Stars technically won the penalty battle, the special teams battle, if you will, on Monday. But myself and others think that they could have benefited from some more power play opportunities. I mean, you have Root back in the lineup, and I think that adds a whole new dynamic to the Stars' power play, which hasn't been great lately. But you can credit some of that absence of 24 not being on the ice. And I think with him out there, and especially against the Sabres, PK, that isn't very strong. I think that the Stars could have potentially scored two or three power play goals in the matchup. They drew more penalties. They only draw the one they execute on it. We saw how faulty that Sabres penalty kill. The Stars scored a goal less than 30 seconds. I think it was 25 seconds into that power play. They also killed the Sabres penalty, the power play rather, three times with which the Sabres have a top three power play unit in the NHL, and especially in the third period with about three minutes left in the game. The Stars get one of the best kills we've seen this season. The Stars were generating shorthanded goal opportunities I mean, they really did dominate the special team's front, but I don't think they got to dominate it to the fullest extent that they could have if they had been granted more opportunities on the power play. But you know it happens. Sometimes you're not going to get calls, and I know there's always going to be people that say, oh, the Stars never get calls. The refs hate the Dallas Stars. The NHL doesn't want Dallas to succeed. And I think that's, you know, a bunch of nonsense. And I think the referees, as much as you know, they've been frustrating us. I know I've been frustrated by my fair share of referees, and in any sport, they're human beings. They miss calls, they make mistakes, they're not perfect. But I think there are some instances where some things could have been called, whether they were tripping, interference, maybe some hooking, and it just wasn't happening on Monday night. And I think the game could have potentially gone a little bit different, but I think that there's a little bit more to it than just that than just the referees missing calls on occasion. I think the Stars as a team, just by design, aren't necessarily designed to draw a ton of penalties. Of course, if the Stars can find a way to draw more penalties, I think that will be to their benefit, and they become a much more dangerous and deadly team on the ice. Because their power play, especially that top unit, is one of the best in the NHL. But I just don't know if the Stars' style of play necessarily you know, demands that there be a ton of penalties drawn. And the Stars generate a lot of rush opportunities, but a lot of times it's, you know, away from players where they don't really give them the chance to commit those penalties. And they also just don't typically generate a ton of flow in their own offensive zone in order to draw those penalties. We see it on occasion, we see it every now and then, but it's just not the style of game that the Dallas Stars typically play, and I think that can be to their detriment at times. In terms of drawing penalties, I mean, obviously their offense is still working fine. They're a top 10 offense in the league, it's still one of the best power plays in the NHL. But a game against Buffalo, they definitely could have benefited more from those opportunities. And I think the score maybe ends up a little bit differently. If the Stars get, you know, one or more 
one or two more chances at the power play. As good as Craig Anderson was in that matchup, I just think he was a little bit overworked on that first star's main advantage. And I think it wouldn't have been the same story had the Stars gotten as many looks, if not more, than the Buffalo Sabre. So it's just something to consider and something interesting to think. Throughout the rest of the season, if the Stars aren't drawing a ton of penalties, sure, there's going to be times when the referees miss calls, they make mistakes, but you also got to keep in mind, Stars aren't necessarily made to draw a ton of penalties. But that's going to do it for today's episode. Let us know your thoughts on the Dallas Stars and their overtime struggles and power play struggles. you have any ideas on how to improve the team when it comes to that? And uh, let us know your thoughts on Roop returning. And don't forget to uh, smash that like button, hit the subscribe channel, and leave a comment in the comment section below. And as always, thank you so much for watching and listening. We will see you next time.